behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton. Step back. Good! Patty at three. Oh, he's a flamethrower! What a shot! 6-3. It's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater! They'll review it! But oh mercy! Colin Sexton may have saved the season! Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford. Threw it away! He'll run it down in the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Watford three at the buzzer blocked by Herb. The putback, no! The buzzer sounds! And Bama hangs on! Oh my goodness! Welcome in everyone to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Harper, head basketball analyst of Tide Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network. Today is February 12th, 2023, and this is episode 35 of the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Please go like, subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. I would very much appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at HarperNation24. Find a lot of good Alabama basketball content, or just sign up on on Tide Illustrated's website, and hop onto the message boards. I post a lot of good intel on there, um, and there's a lot of good content from all sports posted on there. What a game it was on Saturday at 1 o'clock, Alabama versus Auburn. Alabama goes into Neville Arena and escapes with a 77-69 victory to push their record to 22-3, and 12-0 in conference play, First time in program history that they've done that. And it it was a very tough game for Alabama. Very tough in the sense that when they led throughout during the game, it was either by a point or two until it got to the very end where they started pushing, like pulling away. Auburn did a great job early on, really setting the tone with the physicality that they brought around the perimeter specifically running guys off the three-point line, forcing Alabama to really take um, twos inside the arc. And if they did get a three off, there was always a hand on, hand in the face or somebody running out cl- doing a hard closeout. So it was a very good game plan by Auburn. It's one that a lot of teams are starting to try to do. Now, I don't think Auburn has the depth or the athleticism to really – do it all game and keep Alabama bogged down because you could tell Alabama was getting whatever they wanted at the rim. And that's, that's just part of the picture poison with Alabama on defending them. You either let them stand out there and watch them make 15, 20 threes and just try your luck there that they'll miss, or you just let them drive to the paint and contest as well as you can and just hope that they miss at the rim. Because they're going to get a good look probably 80 to 90% of the time on offense. It's just how their offense is made or how it's, how it's designed. Spread it out and just leave open passing lanes, open driving lanes, kickouts. There's just so many things to, to defend with Alabama. And not only do they hit from three, from two, but they also get to the free throw line a lot. And that was kind of their Achilles heel that and their three-point shooting against Auburn. But you you can make the case that if they hit their free throws at their average, it's probably really not that close of a game because that's really what kept Auburn in it 
in the second half was when Alabama started getting free throw opportunities, which they lacked in the first half, they could have really put them away. But they really they, they just couldn't extend the lead because of that, shooting 13 of 23 from free throw line while Auburn went 22 of 26. So that's plus nine in the free throw category where Alabama typically would probably hit, I would say, 18, to 20, 18 out of 23 on average. So you're looking at it potentially being, you know, 11, 12, 13-point game. And they also shot very poor from three, right around their average, but they didn't shoot as many as they typically did, which is one of the main reasons they only made six because they only attempted 21 when their average is around 30, hitting about 10 out of 30 for 30% on the year. But overall, hitting 23 of 28 shots from inside the paint I believe one of those shots was a mid-range by Mark Sears, which I'm sure Nate Oates yelled um, when he shot it because it was right inside the arc. It was a long two, but he hit it, thankfully. But going going 22 of you know 27 from the paint is pretty remarkable um, when you think about it because that's it was mostly guards. There wasn't a lot of oops that um, Alabama typically has. So it's a lot of tough finishes by Jaden Bradley, Mark Sears. Brandon Miller had um, a dunk. Rylan Griffin had a couple dunks. Overall, outside of a few tough makes by the guards, it was just a free driving lane to the hoop. And Auburn just couldn't stop it. That's been their Achilles heel all year is when guards get by theirs at the – get by their guards, allows penetration up top. Their help and rotational defense is just – non-existent. Janai Broom is a good rim defend, rim defender when it's a packed-in paint, but when it's somebody going at the rim, you know, downhill, unimpeded, Janai Broom's pretty slow and slow off his feet, and he's not able to get up to really, you know, affect the shot. So Alabama got what they wanted at the rim, and outside of a kind of an odd shooting night from Brandon Miller, he went 0 for 7 from 3, but five for five um, from the field inside the arc. So he finished every single shot he had um, at the paint. He really came up big in the second half. But just looking back at, you know, re-watching the game, I've re-watched it probably a couple times now, and Alabama didn't play their best. Auburn played for the first half, I would say probably for the first 30 minutes. Auburn played probably the best game that I've seen them play in terms of just hitting hitting shots consistently, um, shooting from the three pretty well. Um, they finished seven of 24, but they started jacking them late in the game and really affected that. Um, but I feel like at the at one point they were like seven of 18, seven of 19. They missed their last nine or ten shots of the game. So that's a lot better than what their average is. Um, so – Give, give credit to Auburn. They play really well at home. But shooting 32% overall from the field and 29% from three isn't going to beat Alabama. What kept them in was their free throw shooting, shooting 22 of 26. And if it wasn't for that, and the free throws really evened out in the second half, it was a large disparity. I believe it was like 21 to seven um, at halftime, and it really evened out in the second half. A lot of it came with fouls at the end, um, Auburn trying to just prolong the game. But 
I thought I posted a video on my on my Twitter this morning of Charles Charles Bidiaco really lighting the spark that Alabama needed early on between that one steal that he had kind of pretty much deking window green at the top and baiting him to throw a lazy pass um, at the timeline, jumping it and getting a getting an easy slam, really good ball handling ball handling by Bidiaco as well. Uh, for a big guy to pull it within one because they were scoreless um, up until, you know, four minutes into the game. They just couldn't get anything going. Having that, and then he had two really big assists, one to Namari Burnett on a defensive miscommunication on a high ball screen that he really just turned, faced, found the open driving um, guy, Namari Burnett, for an easy dunk. And also hit Namari Burnett on, on a horn set to where Katie Johnson was just overly aggressive trying to steal the ball and catch him off guard and really knew where he was, where knew where Namari was and found him for a wide open three. And Namari, you know, that was the only three he hit all game, but it was a big one because Alabama was down by eight at that time with about 11 minutes left in the first half. And it could have easily kind of snowballed from there if Auburn hit a couple more shots, but that kept it within five. And then ultimately Alabama pulled within one later on. Um, in the half, they never really extended the lead past that. So Charles Bidiaco was a big, uh, big pick me up early on. Mark Sears got going late in the second half. Brandon Miller had flashes, had a big poster dunk on Alan Flanagan um, late in the first half in the final minute that really, really lit a fire underneath this team. I think going into half, they came out a little slow, went on a little five-zero spurt by Auburn. But after that, it was just nip and tuck all the rest of the second half. So give credit to Auburn. They had a solid game plan. Wendell Green ended up with 24. Jalen Williams, Alabama left him two open uh, multiple times. He went three of six from, from three for 16 points. And then Katie Johnson, you knew he would he would have a good game, mainly from the free throw line, but he had 12 points as well. Um, Charles Bidiaco also really affected Janai Broom a lot. He went three of 11 from the field. You know, with only eight points and only one block. I told you that shot blockers typically don't have a good game against Alabama because they're t- they're normally traditional big men that are forced to guard the perimeter a lot of times, so they're not used to it, and they're not around the rim um, to affect shots. So you kind of take Janai Broom's defensive ability kind of out of the out of the game. But it was a huge win for Alabama. Go to 22 and 3, 12 and 0 in conference. Auburn drops to 17 and 8, 7 and 5 in conference. And with Texas AM's win um, over LSU, and they were up by 30 or 40 in the first half, ended up winning by 12. Alabama still has a two game lead over Texas AM. And Alabama has six games remaining. They play at Texas AM the last game of the season. So there's a decent chance that that game could end up being a deciding factor for the. SEC regular season championship. But we're going to kind of look ahead to the next game on Alabama's schedule at number number six now, Tennessee. But they're probably going to drop close to maybe, you know, outside the top 15 or maybe even outside the top 20 after two brutal losses this week. Tennessee lost to Vanderbilt at, at Vanderbilt on a buzzer beater three on a great play design from Jerry Stackhouse at the end of the game. Santiago Vescovi. Um, Rubescovy really has struggled from the free throw line in the past two games, and he's been their best free throw shooter, um, him and Ziegler. 
but he's missed crucial free throws late in games. That's really opened the door for both buzzer beater, buzzer beater losses. So Tennessee lost the Vanderbilt on the road at the buzzer, and then they just lost to Missouri yesterday, recording this on Sunday, lost on Saturday at home to Missouri. Missouri was leading most of the game by 12, 13 points, and Tennessee went on a ridiculous run, went up by seven or eight at one point with like five or six minutes to go in the second half. And, goodness, it it was just a, a collapse of epic proportions for, for Tennessee. Um, and don't get me wrong, Missouri's a, more than likely an NCAA tournament team. But when, when you have that game and you're up, you know, six points, seven minutes, or with about five minutes to go, and you just let it slip. And that's really what they did. <clears throat> they came back from a big deficit. I believe the game, let me look here, the game got up to 59-45, 59-42, 59 So it got up to 14 points, came back, led by six or led by six points with five minutes to go, had all the momentum, and then just could not score, could not stop Missouri either. So we're going to kind of look at what went wrong because Missouri and Van, Missouri and Vanderbilt play a very similar style to what Alabama does. Alabama's got the number two ranked tempo in in the country. Um, Missouri's got the number fifty second ranked tempo. I kind of have to scroll down here. And Vanderbilt shoots a lot of threes. They don't necessarily play fast, but they shoot a lot of threes. Missouri shoots a lot of threes, and that's really what did Tennessee in. Um, when it comes to how they lost that game. So looking at the Missouri-Tennessee box score, Missouri went 14 of 26 from three. Missouri shot 52% overall and scored 86 points while shooting 16 less free throws. They were minus 13 from the free throw line. So this game could have been a lot worse, um, but Missouri ended up scoring, I believe, the most points that Tennessee has given up Um in quite a while, I'm sure, but Missouri is a team similar to Alabama's style. That if any, if there's any indication of how the Alabama Tennessee game might go, and it might be how the out or the Tennessee Missouri game went, except Missouri's defense is pretty pitiful, and Alabama's is still you know top five, top six in the country according to Kim Palm. So, yeah, Missouri's defense is ranked 215th in the country while their offense is top five. Alabama's defense is number five and offense number 13. They're the only, Alabama and Houston is the only team in the country with offense and defense rated both in the top 15, according to Kim Palm. So I, it's going to be tough for Tennessee to really keep up with Alabama because Tennessee's defense has very been lacking a lot the past few weeks, um, even against Auburn. You saw what Alabama did to Auburn at Auburn, but Tennessee struggled mightily against Auburn at home, only scored 46 points. Only scored 46 points against Auburn. Alabama put up 77. And it's it seemed like a very tough 77. They could have had so much more if they would have just hit shots and free throws. But that's beside the point. Tennessee is a struggling team. They've lost three of their last four. Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Florida barely beat Auburn. 
all that since their big win at home against Texas, who Texas is a, a very solid team in my opinion. This is going to be one of those games where Alabama could be number one in the country. Tennessee could be right outside the top 15, maybe even close to, you know, ranked in the ranked 20th. Tennessee's desperate, just like Auburn was desperate going into the game on Saturday. Alabama could be riding in at number one, for sure number two, but possibly number one. Alabama's just got to go in and take business. You know that that Coliseum is going to be rocking. It's just how hyped will Tennessee be? Because you know they're going to want to beat Alabama, but are they going to be deflated? Are they going to come out motivated? It's just you never know what you're going to get with Tennessee. Here recently, you know what you're getting from Alabama. They're going to come out and hit you in the mouth. I mean, they've, they've done it plenty of times in the recent past. I mean, they blew out Florida, blew out Vanderbilt, and all that since the Oklahoma loss. I mean, if you don't, if they don't come out ready to go, Alabama's going to blow the doors off of them early because Alabama can score. Tennessee struggles with that, even though their defense is still really good. But Missouri kind of showed how to attack them. And a lot of it's just dribble, drive, and kick. It's very simple. Tennessee just couldn't cover it. So Alabama faces Tennessee on February 15th on on Wednesday, 6 p.m. on ESPN2. It's kind of an earlier tip. Excuse me. But I feel really good about Alabama going into that game just because they have all the momentum, winning four in a row, and Tennessee's really struggling. Kind of looking ahead to future SEC uh, matchups for Alabama. After the road game at Tennessee, they come home and face Georgia. They kind of, kind of hit a little soft stretch. Home against Georgia on Saturday. And then they travel to South Carolina. So that's two kind of soft soft games um, before they come back home and they face Arkansas and they face Auburn at home. So the Arkansas game is kind of oddly TBD on time. Um, but Alabama, Alabama face Auburn at 6 p.m. on March the 1st. And then they go to Texas A&M. So Alabama's magic number is five to clinch the SEC regular season title. So any combination of five wins or five Texas A&M losses. So per se, if Alabama wins their next three games, so Tennessee, Georgia, and South Carolina, and A&M loses two of their next, next games, then Alabama clinches the SEC regular season title. And looking at Texas A&M's upcoming schedule, they go. They're at home against Arkansas, so that could be a toss-up game depending on which Arkansas team shows up. But after losing at home to Mississippi State, who is playing really good ball right now, by the way, that could be a you know a toss-up game. At Missouri will be a tough game. Home against Tennessee. You know, at least it's at home. They're at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's been playing really tough. At Ole Miss, so it'll be an easy game. And then home against Bama. So you could realistically say that they could lose their next four or they could win their next four. It, it's it's truly remarkable what Texas A&M's done. Only losing two SEC games so far at Arkansas and at Kentucky. 
So it could come down to that final game, even though I don't think it will. I think Alabama's going to take care of business on Wednesday, take care of the next two games, and could possibly clinch the SEC at home against Arkansas or Auburn, which would be pretty sweet for Alabama fans to see. Um, more so against Auburn. It depends on you know which fan bases you dislike more. Everybody has their own opinion, but most Alabama fans seem to not like either one of them, um, rightfully so. But so, yeah, that's kind of how the landscape of the SEC is um, as a whole for, or, you know, looking ahead to Alabama's schedule. But kind of, you know, I, I don't like looking ahead totally. I mean, Alabama's 12-0, and 0, so you know they're going to be, you know, they're going to clinch one of the top two seeds in the SEC because they're four games up on Tennessee, five up on Missouri, five up on Auburn. So they're going to clinch a top two seed regardless. Let's say, you know, they're going to be a top two seed. So right now, if they were the one seed, they would face the winner of, let's see, three, six, seven, eight, the winner of Vanderbilt and Florida. That would be a wonderful situation for Alabama if they were the one seed. Um, you know you're going to have your bottom four kind of locked in probably. I mean, Mississippi State's on the rise, but Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina – or. LSU, South Carolina, Ole Miss, and Georgia are probably going to be your bottom four, if I had to guess, based on how State's playing and Vanderbilt's starting to starting to cook a little bit as well. But if they if they pulled something like Vanderbilt, Florida, Georgia, one of those teams, that would be a fantastic matchup for Alabama to make it to the, the semifinals, make it to play it on Saturday. And right now the four seed is Missouri. It's a three-way tie between Missouri, Auburn, and Kentucky. Now you, you've got two games separating, um, you know, the four seed and the nine seed. So it could everything is very it can fluctuate so much. But just looking at it now, what it would be, it would be a great matchup or a great path for Alabama to make the SEC championship game. Looking ahead, I'm not putting you know, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still focused on it one game at a time. But, you know, just for, you know, conversational standpoint, looking ahead on what the SEC tournament bracket would look like right now. I mean, it's fun to do. But overall, Alabama winning at Auburn is great for the fans because, you know, Alabama fans have um, – Alabama and Auburn fans have really gone at it for the past few years on, on who's been the best SEC program um, obviously, Auburn fans are going to bring up the Final Four, which which is, you know, you're not going to take that away from them. I mean, I would love for Alabama to make a Final Four. But I don't think that's very accurate in determining which program's better. South Carolina made a Final Four in 2017, I believe. It was a magical run. I mean, teams can have that. St. Peter's, George Mason. Look at those programs now. Look at South Carolina right now. How much did that Final Four really help them in the long run? They even have the number one recruit in the country, and they're still dead last in the SEC. Final Four couldn't save Frank Martin. So it's not a great point to make on who's the best program. Now, if you're talking national championships, sure, but finishing in fourth place is not an accurate way to decide. Now, Auburn has won two SEC championships. They've won a, a tournament championship, and they've 
they've shared one or a regular season championship uh, with Tennessee. Alabama's done both of those, won one in the regular season and won one in the tournament. I believe Auburn's may, may have won another one in the regular season. Um, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. So they may, may have three total. Um, I don't keep up with it that much. But Al, Nate Oates has a chance to do it all again, win an SEC championship regular season and a tournament championship. They, they're going to be favored to do both. Now, if they do that, be a number one seed overall after being a number two seed, two years ago, and if they make a deep run, I mean, Alabama and Auburn is 52 and 52, or Alabama's 53 SEC wins, Auburn's 52 over the past five years. That's kind of been Auburn's arguing point. But it's kind kind of a, you know, push it to the side. Um, It it doesn't really matter in the end. It's just kind of a good talking point for Alabama and Auburn fans. Um, And I kind of get caught up in it sometimes too. But it was a good win for Alabama and and for the fans because, you know, you always want to beat your rival. That's kind of what I'm getting at. But Alabama's got a big game on Wednesday against Tennessee, and then they go home to play Georgia. So it's a big week for Alabama to take care of business. You're probably going to be favored in both games, I would imagine, by two three points at Tennessee and a double-digit favorite against Georgia at home. Take care of business. Go to fourteen and zero in conference, and twenty four and three, which is something I never thought I would see as an you know Alabama basketball fan um, and connoisseur. But it's something that could be on the norm for Alabama in the years to come. They've got a good core there. They're going to lose Brandon Miller, probably Noah Clowney to the draft, and Javon Quinterly, who's come off the bench and put in good minutes, but hasn't been a key factor in this year's team. So you're going to have pretty much everybody back outside of that. Um, Rylan Griffin has shown great promise, especially in the Auburn game. In the past, I think, four or five games, he scored in double figures. He's going to be a great one. You got Jaden Bradley coming back, Charles Bidiaco coming back, coming in with – you know, Mark Sears coming back as well with the recruiting class. Davin Cosby is on campus right now. I think he's going to make an impact next year. Alabama's set up, and don't, don't count out the portal. They'll probably attack the portal really hard to get a couple, two or three guys from there. Alabama's got it set up. This year is probably their best team they'll have, I would say, in the next – definitely probably in program history in terms of talent. But moving forward, this is probably the best team that they'll have for the next few years, at least. So you, they need to take advantage now, go as far as they can in the tournament, hopefully win it all or make a Final Four. Um, but they're definitely the best team in the country right now, should be number one when the AP poll comes out, and should win or make it to the national championship game or the Final Four because they're that good. They're built for March, and they've shown that game after game after game. But I've run out of time. Um, I appreciate you listening to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. Like I said before, please like, subscribe, um, be on the lookout for other other podcasts um, being released. I'll probably record one either after the Tennessee game or this weekend after, after the Georgia game. But please subscribe for when another episode drops. I appreciate you listening. And until next time, this is Jordan Harper on the Double Dribble Podcast. 
Adios.